Hi everyone and welcome to Play Crush. It's Joe Murphy here. What a cracking episode we have for you this week. Today I was joined by the awesome Jade Anuka. Jade is an astonishing actor, writer, and poet. Her acting credits include the smash hit Shakespeare trilogy at the Donmar Warehouse, Hamlet at Shakespeare's Globe, Moon on a Rainbow Shawl at the National Theatre, Chef at the Edinburgh Fringe, Soho Theatre, and Off-Broadway, The Vote at the Donmar Warehouse, and Dr. Faustus with the Jamie Lloyd Company. Her screen credits include Cleaning Up and Trauma on ITV, and she can currently be seen in Turn Up Charlie on Netflix. As a writer, Jade published a collection of poetry called Eggs on Toast, and she's under commission as a playwright at Soho Theatre and Payne's Plough. And her first play, Heart, is due to go on at Kiln Theatre just as soon as theatres are back up and running. As you can see, Jade is a creative force to be reckoned with and is one of the most talented, smart and genuine people I've ever had the pleasure to sit down and chat with. Jade's play crush was The Phlebotomist by Ella Road. This debut play is Black Mirror meets Brave New World and went down an absolute storm when Jade starred in it at the Hampstead Theatre. B, a phlebotomist, falls head over heels in love with Aaron, and the pair bond over poetry and pineapple juice. They live in a world, not far in the future, where scientific advances mean that a simple blood test can predict whether and when you'll develop diseases, even whether you have a propensity towards rule-breaking. You don't have to find out your rating, but non-disclosure looks as if you have something to hide. Dating sites are all about ratings, but B and Aaron are in love, and the outlook looks bright. It's when B's friend Shah asks her for help in faking her own blood tests so she can get the job of her dreams that the future starts to get rather murky. Ella Rhodes' debut play is a powerful, provocative vision of a dystopian future, questioning the value we place on one another, whether knowledge really is power, and if love truly can conquer all. Sarah Hemings really nailed why this play is so good in a Financial Times review. As with all good dystopian dramas, it's not so much about then as now about values and structures, about the way we use technology and information, and about what big corporations can do with personal data. You could say the play performs a little screening test on contemporary society and finds worrying signs. Meanwhile, the chilling shift of social attitudes within the play towards low raters follows the path of all ideologies that promise perfection. Thank you again to everyone listening and supporting the podcast and Sherman Theatre and the Old Vic. The response has been amazing and I've been blown away by the community of listeners we're building up. Thank you. So, without further ado, here's Jade Anuka with The Phlebotomist. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Play Crush. We have the amazing Jade Anuka here with us today. Hello Jade. Hiya. How's it going? Yeah, good. How are you doing? I'm well, yeah, well, thank you. I mean, how, how have you been finding it? I mean, it's been three months now, which um, yeah. it sort of weirdly feels like it's been three minutes and three years to me at the sort of same time. Yeah, um, how, have you, how have you been finding it? Oh, gosh, it's been so up and down. And I definitely feel at the beginning, it was so weird because I think I was well into it. I was like, okay, fine. This is only three weeks. I can do this. This will be great. This will be a cleanse. Um, but then here we are three months later and I still, you know, haven't been into London yet, like into town or whatever. Like I haven't really, haven't really been yeah, out or of put my jeans flat. on. Yeah, exactly. I've been wearing elasticated trousers for the last three months. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it's been, and w- weirdly for me, it's been quite busy. Uh, 
which has kind of been weird because everyone's sort of been catching up on box sets and and watching a lot of theatre online and stuff. And I've actually ended up working. I think part of that was because at the beginning of lockdown, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be I'm going to be so bored. I'm going to have nothing to do. And I'm not good when I, I need to be busy. I like being busy. So I was kind of set up a lot of stuff. And then became completely overwhelmed with the amount of <laughs> the amount I uh, yeah I set out to do, and especially because you don't have kind of at least travel time to kind of gather your thoughts, it can be quite a lot. Especially you know at home here, there's two of us and a dog in a one bed flat, and it's quite intense for three months. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you were your your sort of your big play heart was meant to be coming on. Is that right? Um, yeah, which was. Um, very exciting because it's my first play to be produced to get produced and uh, yeah that was supposed to happen well what is it it's the end of June we would have we would have started rehearsals and it was supposed to open in July um, and so what has been nice is that it's given me time to do some sort of bit more rewrites and kind of get it up to speed so when whenever that is that we do get into the rehearsal room I can just hopefully stick my actor hat on and and kind of not worry too much about about you know being a writer as well concentrate on that but yeah it was a kind of it's quite sad actually because it was kind of all systems go it was really exciting to have you know my debut play up and then it kind of all ground to a halt but um I have full belief that it will happen at some point Oh, I've no doubt. It sounds amazing. So um, I can't imagine they're going to let that place sit on the shelf for too long. And that, that was with the Kiln Theatre, is that right, in London? Yeah, with the Kiln, yeah. And and so, and so why why this play for your first play? Because, I mean, it'd be great to hear a bit about it. It sounds like an incredibly personal uh, play, yeah. an incredibly personal story. Um, and it, it seems like, obviously, you're so well known for your acting work. Um, but it, this feels like an almost a new lease on life and a new energy that's coming out. And why now, I suppose, and why this play, do you think? Um, mm, it, I mean, can, can you even put your finger on it? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, uh, you probably know that I've always written poetry. So, and actually, this play is a kind of, well, it's basically poetry, it's li- very lyrical the whole way through. And that was, so for me, it didn't feel like a complete leap. It just felt mm-hmm. like, a kind of amalgamation of poetry of poems and or, or like a long poem if you like and in my poetry I'd always been a bit more personal and I found that my poetry was where I could express what my feelings were or voice things that I wanted to say whereas sometimes in acting you don't always get that that luxury of being able to do things that really speak to you um, and so I was I just got to a point where I was like I need to say this I need to say this and it is you know it's not completely real life but it is based on on events that have happened to me and it felt like it's funny why now I, I guess I felt like I was in a position where I was I was able to tell this story now like I was kind of I'm out of it now you know, I feel like I had, I had gone through this story, this part of my life, and I'm kind of out of it, out of it, and in a new place now. And so I felt like in a that was a safe position to be in. And what I'd learned from that, I felt like maybe other it would help other people. Oh yeah, amazing! I mean, would you be up for telling us a little bit about what that story is and 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 what that experience was that that that, that you're now looking back on and sort of looking yeah. to pull apart in the play? It's sort of 
Well, it starts. It starts on my wedding day. I got married very bold, young. Bold start. <laughs> bold start. Um, and it finishes with a kind of. So then it goes through a kind of. I guess understanding, realization, opening of boxes, real understanding of um, identity, um, and the kind of um, what journey that takes, and and who I encounter on the way, and how that affects me. It's about trying to live your authentic self and not being put into boxes, but sometimes realizing those boxes can be helpful. <laughs> so vague. I haven't got, I need to get a copy. I need to read that off the website. What did I say? What did I well, say? The most stuff, uh, it, it's about being a woman and being a black woman. Um, and that, uh, and it, it, that, that, that the website talks about, and it, it certainly talks about, I think the way that you are defined by attributes you don't choose. I think, um, and oh gosh, yeah, that's how long much your life is mapped out. <laughs> That basically Absolutely, is what yeah. you said. Well, it, no, but it is that. But also it's like, I think anyone who has felt, I guess, othered, um, I think will relate to aspects of this, whether that's because, as you say, um, I'm a black woman and it's about that, whether it's about sexuality, whether it's about um, the kind of job you do or your relationship with family, your relation, you know, and all of that, I think, there are moments in this play that I think a lot of people will relate to and go, I felt othered in that way. And I think it's for them. It's for all those people who kind of are, feel like maybe they're misfits or, you know, so it's, it's, it's for that. And it's, and it's for those who don't feel that to go, Oh, this is how a lot of people live their life in <laughs> with these kind of thoughts in the back of their mind. And you, uh, I mean, it sounds brilliant. Uh, so uh, hopefully the kiln will get back up and running soon and we can yes. all come see it. Um, but is it, you say you've come through that part of your life and what was, was that, is that about like making peace with that otherness? Uh, was it about finding, uh, even an anger about it? Like what, what is it that's allowed you to come out the other side of that? I don't want to give the whole play away, obviously. Well, I think um, the main one is I, um, I left my twenties behind and they're hard <laughs> and, um, pretty much the play takes place when I'm in my twenties. And I am no longer in my 20s. And I think I was able to, I'm able to now look back on that with a kind of understanding. But also, I mean, not to give too much away, but there's also in it about aspects of even though you think you're kind of completely fine and you are completely fine with who you are, they are still outside forces and powers and systems that make you feel that you are not in you are still not in the normal category. You are in the, the sidelines or the other. And I think that's important to recognise as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and it feels like there couldn't be a better time to be talking about that um, yeah, as, as those weird. awarenesses. Yeah, it's weirdly, as I was, um, I did a reading of my latest draft the other day and um, it's weirdly... Oh, I'm so desperate for it to be out there and to be shared now. I think it's exactly that it needs to be heard. And these aren't new feelings that have, that have, you know, come up to the forefront in recent weeks. These are feelings that people have lived with all this time. So I think it's, yeah, I hope, I hope that it does get the light of day, not just for me to get to, you know, show <laughs> off on stage for an hour, but, um, <laughs> but also because I think it's important for people to hear this, however it gets told. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's right. And I think, um, I feel like there's a bit of a straw that broke the camel's back thing going on at the moment. Totally. Where these, these issues have been going on and privilege and ignorance have allowed people to turn a, a blind eye, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Yeah. To, to that situation and I include myself in that um, but now it sort of feels finally undeniable yeah totally. um, and therefore so hungry for these kind of stories to hear those experiences to hear that testimony Definitely. Um, well I hope so sounds like, yes oh, I've no doubt I've no doubt well um, maybe if it's cool with you we'll, we'll just track back a bit now and um, if that play is where you're at now um maybe we can just talk about like where this all began for you you know where 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 did performance come from for you where did theater come from for you how did you get into it and 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 how did that career get started yeah it was always something that I enjoyed doing it was a hobby that I I just loved showing off as a kid at home I was a kind of (laughs) I was weirdly shy in public but then at home I would be like always get the family to like I've got a performance tonight please can you come and see my show um and then I'd get, go out in public and my mum would be like you know just go and ask that I don't know that other child if you can have plays on that like no I'm so scared like shaking or oh, and then um but somehow I remember in year six actually it was the year six play I don't know if everyone does that end of primary school play and um, we had to write down if we wanted a speaking part or a non-speaking part. And I was thinking, oh, gosh, I really want to do it. But all my friends were like, we want a speaking part, but not too much because we don't want to learn all the lines. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> me too. But cut to, they all got speaking parts. And I was in the choir, but like at the back of the choir, the back <laughs> at the side, like hidden behind the pillar. And I was so annoyed. And I knew everyone's word. <coughs> I knew everyone's words and I was like desperate to be up there. And after that, I sort of vowed to myself that I would try and like do that. And so I then so after that signed up to like every school play going and there was a drama school that started up in my local town, like a Saturday school, and like performing arts school. And I went there. I think my mum basically was like, <clears throat> actually, I think it was my auntie told my mum was like, there's a performing arts school. If you want to like expel some of that energy from your daughter, send her there <laughs> for the day once, once a week. So that was fun. Uh, and then I might just sort of my joy and love of, of telling stories grew. And then I was really, I, I did drama at A-level at my sixth form college in Lucian. And my drama teacher told me about the National Youth Theatre. And she managed to, she we I applied and she managed she sent me and another girl from our year to audition and we both got in and the school managed to get us on scholarships to do our two-week course and once I was there I was like oh you can do acting and showing off as a career I mean I know acting isn't just showing <laughs> off but um it's depends like, who you talk to depends well who you talk yeah to. <laughs> I mean that definitely is how I got into it through that way and telling stories and just wanting people to be listening to me telling a story and the idea of like captivating an audience, however small. Um, and yeah. And so after that, I went to drama school. Um, I, actually, while I was at um, sixth form college, there was a local thing in Greenwich newspaper, local Greenwich thing and Greenwich theater actually gave me my first kind of my first little break. And it was like a, 
search for a star thing um, over the Easter <laughs> holidays. And it was like a free course. And then at the end of it, three of us got chosen to be in a professional play. And that was my first ever professional show, which was at Greenwich Theatre um, called Golden Boy. It was a musical and I was a teenager and I was getting paid to act and I could not believe it. <laughs> and then after that, I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, okay, great. So you graduated drama school, smashed that, got an agent. <laughs> Amazing. What happened next? I, so while I was in my third year, um, I'd just done the showcase and I got really randomly, I remember this, I got an audition for the RSC. And this is, okay, so here's a story that is kind of embarrassing, but heck, we're all <laughs> friends. Um, yeah. So my agent was like, this is a, it's quite, it's quite a weird one, but basically they want, they need you to audition um, tomorrow. They need you to go up to, they need you to go to Stratford and do an audition. It's going to be a bit of a workshop audition. Um, and then, um, and yeah, it's basically to join a company that's, that's already begun. So somebody had to drop out of a play. And I joined the and I was to join the company if I got the audition. And I was like, oh, great, great. I remember I was working at the Ivonano Theatre. I was like in the cafe there. And I was like, amazing. And I was telling people about it. And I was like, I thought go London tomorrow. And I genuinely <laughs> thought I was going to Stratford. <laughs> I was going to Stratford East. And then I remember my agent being like, sending like a email, I think, with the train ticket. And I was like, Sorry. And I had to, I remember having to like have a break and like call her again and be like, sorry, where am I going? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. And then literally, and then I did, I did the audition. I think or it was either that it was like the end of the week, basically this latter half of the week I did the audition. And then I had to go back on the Sunday night to start rehearsals on the Monday. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. That first job. So while you're at drama school, your first job is one with one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. Um, and did that? Did it feel like that when you're out, or are you just in it and it's a job at the time, or did you feel like this is a big, big deal and I want to kind of embrace it for everything it's got? I think weirdly because I didn't know like how prestigious the RSC was, I didn't really go. It. I was thinking, oh, it's not in London. It's like. Where is this? Like near Birmingham or something? Like that's my that was my thought at the time. So I was like, okay, cool, like cool, fine. Um, and I and I was like, oh well, I'm not in the main shows because I'm not in the Shakespeare play. So I was not not to like do it down, but I wasn't kind of, I wasn't yeah overwhelmed by it because I didn't realise just how big a deal it was. But that show we then took to because it was half Canadian, um, half Canadian cast and half uh, UK and Ireland. And we took it to Canada. And that was when I was like, oh, wait a minute. They're putting me on a plane to go to Canada to perform it there. And they're putting me up in a hotel. Like, suddenly I was like, whoa, I've hit the jackpot. This is the best thing I'm ever going to do. Like, <laughs> genuinely. Straight away. Because that's, you know, I suppose that's your first year or two out of drama school. Pretty exciting start to the it career. Was, yeah. What happened next? What did happen? I remember after that not working for a bit um <laughs> which was which is fine and good and I needed that because I had ridiculous I had a ridiculous you know first time out so I did a lot of that was about the time when I started just working to pay my rent because I suddenly realized that I hadn't saved any money um, <laughs> mainly because you don't get paid that much really 
um, once you factor in stuff. And I hadn't saved any money. And um, uh, so I had to keep working to pay my rent. I did then get a job, if I'm correct. I got a job at the, which came first? I think it was at the Southwark Playhouse Blood Wedding, it was called. Nice. And which was great, but that wasn't equity minimum. So I was, we were most, I think all of us there in that job were working, um, you know, your normal, um, your normal minimum, minimum uh, amount um, while we were auditioning, sorry, while we were rehearsing and performing. Um, but that was a great job. And actually, weirdly, you know, when you go, you don't know what, you don't know who's going to be watching. And actually off the back of doing that play, I managed to get an audition at the Globe. And I only found out later the connection about how it happened. And it was literally because I did that play, which was paying £100 a week or whatever. Um, but I really wanted to do this play. And yeah, off the back of that, the casting director, um, Charlotte Bevan, went to see that because her friend was directing it and then got me in to get an audition at the Globe. So yeah, that worked out well in the end. I mean, you're just ticking them off. We've nailed the RSC, we've <laughs> nailed the Globe. So, you know, just the biggest, some of the biggest theatres in the world. Uh, <laughs> what came next? I guess landmark thing in my mind is probably the National. That'll do it. <laughs> Oh, it, yeah, it? probably yeah then it's probably the biggest theater in the world so that's good I know um yeah. amazing um talk to us about that experience I it's it, yeah so I remember they advert or announced their new season and I looked at it and I was like wait a minute moon on a rainbow shore thinking okay and I looked at the picture and I was like oh, let me just look at that up I wonder what that is not heard of that and then I was like wait a minute that is a place set in Trinidad written by a Trinidadian and I'm half Trini. So I was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I messaged, <laughs> oh, wait, I ordered, I ordered a copy immediately. I messaged my agent, was like, it's a Trini, it's a Trini play. You don't know how many, there's not many Trinis, like, actors around, like, there's not many, like, please, can I get an audition? She's still, like, calmed down, like, I'm so annoying like this. And I was like, she was like, uh, yeah, we'll see what we can do. And then I wrote to um, Michael Buffon, who's the director found an email wrote to him like hi I think I'll be I read okay so before that I read the I read it and and I was like oh my gosh there's actually a part that is I could play and then I got I got mad I read I wrote to yeah Michael before the director who I never met and never you know didn't even know who he was before um (laughs) and then I wrote to Wendy Spon who was head of casting at the time and I wrote to them all and I was like, I'm Trini and this part's Trini and I'm really good at playing this. I'll be really good at playing this part. I can assure you, if you just get me an audition to prove myself, like, oh my God, so annoying. However, somehow this audition came out of nowhere. And I remember auditioning with Michael and with Danny Sapani, who was, I was going to be playing opposite. And I remember being like, oh gosh. But what was great, and I think you'll be all right with this now, um, is I got into this and I was really nervous, obviously. But then Danny Sapani's Trinidadian accent wasn't good. <laughs> and it immediately allayed my fears because he was already cast. So I was like, okay, so don't worry about that. Because even though I knew I could do a Trini accent, I was stressing about that. But suddenly I was mm-hmm. like, he's already been cast. I mean, of course he's Danny Sapani, so it's not quite the same. But he'd already been cast and he can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're listening it's all love um obviously we got 
And we got um, help during rehearsal anyway. So I got that. And that was one of the most incredible experiences because it was a Trinidadian play and my family got to come and see it. And they really were happy that I wasn't doing Shakespeare this time. And they could um, and they could really relate to the story as well. And I think they were. Yeah, they were really excited about it um, as well, which was a it felt very. Yeah, it was very great to do that play. It felt very special to do a, a Trini play because they don't come around much. No, and I, I think, like you know, going right back to the beginning here about you, you know, just wanting to tell stories and that being your thing. Mm. And then on, you know, one of the biggest stages in the world, getting to tell like your story or, or part of that heritage story. That is a really special opportunity, I feel. Yeah, it, was. it really was. Um, and as you say, it's probably all too rare, but when it does come along, yes, really, I really felt incredible. Very, yeah, very fortunate to be part of it. Um, okay, so what was what was our next landmark uh, after the National? Donmar. It was the, yes, yeah, Donmar. The trilogy. Part of that adventure, yeah. I mean, I feel like, I mean, I can only comment from the outside, uh, but it feels like a slight once in a lifetime project. Oh, gosh, yeah. I didn't know that at uh, the time. And also at the time when I auditioned for the first Julius Caesar, I didn't know there was going to be three. I don't think they did, actually, at the time. Um, but even that was amazing. But then to for that job to end up taking up six years of my life, basically. Six and, years? Yeah, we did... So for the next six years, so we did Julius Caesar then, and then the next year we took Julius Caesar to New York, then the year after we did Henry, then the year after we took that to New York, then the year after we did the trilogy, and the year after we took The Tempest to New York. So it was, uh, it ended up being an, a huge, massive time in my life, and yeah. As an actor, is there a like before the trilogy and an after the trilogy, Jade? Like, was it a formative experience as well? Or was it just that it was such a, an amazing ride to be on uh, and such an amazing creative project to be a part of? It's no, both. It wasn't amazing, but I do think there is before and after. I've actually got a tattoo now and I don't, I've got a tattoo of the trilogy on me. It's so, so I'm so different. I'm so changed and I've grown and learned so much from that experience. And just my life during those years has changed so much. Um, for example, the course of Heart, the play, takes place pretty much um, in t- pretty much about the same t- journey as those six years of my life. Um, wow. So, yeah, it's, it, it, was, it, was, it was mega and major and, yeah, totally once in a lifetime. Um, and are there any any headline changes in that you'd like to share with us? Obviously, no worries at all. If not, and you know, don't want to give away well, heart. But hand, any of those big changes? On one hand, it feels amazing to be part of something that helped us. I think a sea change in theatre and in casting, mm-hmm. and and in how we perform Shakespeare and um, who we put in what roles and stuff like that. And it feels like that helped that sea change. Um, and you know, 50 50 women on stage and all of that and a more representative cast of what you you know of where you are what story you're telling all of that stuff it feels really special to be part of that and like now I know a lot of students apply for drama school now female students apply for drama school with um, traditionally male Shakespeare play um, Shakespeare speeches and I mm. think yes they can really get their teeth and get a chance to kind of show off their acting chops in these what I think normally are superior speeches. Um, so part being part of that is really special. I also just have learned so much. I mean, 
working with an amazing and an ever-changing bunch of of women um and Philida her is just incredible she's just and really that sense of community that I that you can get in an acting world I think is just so brilliant and I think I've made friends for life definitely um and I, I feel very fortunate as well I was one of I think it's only me and um Harriet that were in every single iteration of every play so it feels wow. I feel very fortunate to have been you know to have been able to come back each time yeah that really is special isn't it I mean you and Harriet must share something some sort of bond from that from that like it's like being in the trenches together almost isn't it yeah totally what an experience okay brilliant and so what came next I think I started doing a bit more tv actually and um uh-huh. um again part of the I started doing a bit of tv and again I was on this on this road where I was like I'm only picking theatre that is really special again now comes along the phlebotomist and the, the play crush itself the play crush itself lands in my inbox and I read it and it is incredible and I <laughs> yeah I just literally immediately I'm like oh my goodness I really really want to do this play <laughs> <laughs> did you know instantly then you're like I want to I want to play this yeah like, this is a role I want yeah I was reading it yeah. like <gasps> by the end of it I was just my jaws on the floor I had tears in my I was like it was all the emotions when I went through all of them I read it in one sitting which is good for me because I'm not you know I don't I'm not actually that good at reading but I read it in one sitting and just I just thought it was incredible and it's her first play I mean that's just stupid yeah I know it's annoying isn't it you're it's almost annoying you're like you're so talented yeah yeah so great <laughs> and was that um when that landed in your inbox was that did you then go and have to audition for it or was that a sort of request for you to be in it straight off or did you no. like, how, how did that process work no I went and, and met um the director and the cast director and we yeah we had a kind of read through there I think Ella the writer was there as well and we had a bit of a read through and I did have an audition and I was very happy to audition. And I wanted to like, I was like desperate to prove that I could do this role, you know? Um, mm. And then, yeah. And then there we go. I think they had already cast um, Rory as Aaron um, by then already. Um, Cause he was known to the director. Well, as I wasn't known to the director at all. So yeah, it's great. Right. Brilliant. And I mean, it's a play in in some ways it's a love story isn't it at the heart of it uh it, it there, there's this you know two people meeting and falling in love but there's this amazing backdrop um of this sort of genetic mapping and the rating of human beings um as high or low uh and that sort of nefariously feels like it infiltrates every aspect of life oh, gotcha. uh, that you are quantified and numbered mm-hmm. um and then your character sort of feels like gets this invitation um, to sort of cheat that system, uh, make some money, and mm-hmm. you know, w- suddenly in that position of power to manipulate how people are seen, mm-hmm. um, and then obviously the sort of kind of um, horrendous, uh, you know, out, out out fallout of that. 
Um, I suppose, though, in a way, this, that's quite a high concept story, right? It's yeah. this guy and got this, I know at the time it was being talked about as a black mirror on stage sort of vibe to mm. it, um, which I think in some ways does it a disservice because I think it's so much more complicated than that. But on the other hand, I can see that if you liked Black Mirror, you would love this play. Um, yeah. But for you, if that's the plot, like what is this a play about for you? Or what, what was it that grabbed you when you read that script and you were like, I've got to do this? There was something about um, there was something about the fact that it felt possible and and like we we were we could be going down this road that was kind of scary and exciting uh, as a as a kind of piece of theatre. Um, mm. Also, the fact that it's at, at its very core, like you say, it's a love story, and actually, it's the world around these two people that is what is affecting this relationship and and tearing it apart in many ways and or or it's like what, what is it that what do we fall in love with with people why do we mm. fall in love with someone is it what is it about that and if you knew if you had a rating system and you found out that the person that you loved was uh was lower down on that rating system would that change how you feel about them and it's kind of that it's kind of like the dating world, you know, like Tinder or whatever, but notched up a bit or a lot. And it's like, what are we actually trying to connect with other people on? Um, what are we actually trying to connect to other people on? Is it, you know what I mean? Is it what's in their soul or is it actually just the stuff that they can't, you know, and wouldn't change their blood, their skin, their looks or whatever? Or is it actually just who they are? And I think that kind of simple like you say, simple love story, boy meets girl, they fall in love, they move in together, they get married, you know, all of this stuff, they have a baby. That's kind of, that's your normal story. But now we put it right back, right into the 21st century where everyone's kind of obsessed with getting their genetics done and putting their blood into a system. And everyone's identity is now being owned by companies who can do what they want with it. Where are we going with that? And it's kind of, I just was like, my mind was exploding as I was reading it, which is why I just thought it was so brilliant. And like you say, yeah, it is a bit Black Mirror-esque, but it's so dense as well. Yeah, it's got so much, It's it's got such depth to it. Um, but it makes that, I think what's amazing about it is that it, it makes that depth feel really accessible yeah. because of the love story and an almost thriller element to it. Yeah. Um, I, I, you feel like as an audience that you're like um, way smarter than you actually are because you're just like, it takes you into it so well. You're like, oh yeah, yeah I completely understand all of these incredibly complex, um, you know, paradigms that it's talking about. But I find it really interesting you pick up that like the two people are just trying to get on uh, mm -hmm. and the world is the thing that's getting in the way. And yeah. I think if we explode that like beyond love stories, just to how we interact with our whole with our community, right? With anybody yeah. around us or right now in the world with um, those who have been othered or those who are considered different by this predominant society. Mm -hmm. um, it feels like it's the structures and the systems in a way that are the problem. Um, totally. And do you think this play talks to that? Definitely. It's quite interesting because you start off with a quite a, a sort of weird levelling when you do this in the phlebotomist. You've got this rating system. So in theory, you go, oh, well, then that doesn't make a difference to um, who you are or what your background is uh, or what your class is. It's all about your blood. 
And so you think, okay, that will level everyone out. But then, no, it doesn't because then the people with money start cheating the system. And yeah. actually, the, um, your health can be affected by um, where you live, um, your social status, um, the kind of jobs you do. And actually, that can actually affect over time your rating. And so suddenly it falls back into the old systems again where uh, of divide and of othering. And, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of sad actually i mean the play is sort of devastating actually because <laughs> there is this whole thing of going oh oh look um let's just judge people by another thing that they can't they have no control over or they didn't you know ask to be or ask to be born in or do you know what i mean let's just try and decide let's here's another way of separating us when we should actually be joining us all together and the idea of yeah, big companies using your identity and 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 kind of doing what they want with it, and then but maybe even using that against you is is scary and feels kind of timely as well. It, I mean, similar to the way you talk about heart, it it feels um, like it's one of those plays that just strikes the moment so perfectly, um, yeah. and 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 kind of skewers it so effectively. Um, and, and what I like about it is it, it, it almost feels like a shot across the bow as a play, like it's a warning play, mm-hmm. I think, yeah, as opposed totally. to like a solution play. Oh, um, yeah, totally. But, and I think it's so insightful about that. Let, let's just choose something else to divide people with. Um, just feels kind of harrowing in the play, doesn't it? And Yeah, it really is. And the effect that that then has on, you know, because this is an, in the play, it's a new thing. So everyone in the play is trying to come to terms with this new idea of getting getting a rating. Mm. And so they already have relationships built up. But suddenly you start looking at people slightly differently, people that you've known mm. and loved. But just because you know this thing about them, suddenly it's different. And there's so much moral as well um, fighting and, and push and pull in it as well. And, you know, there are things that I don't want to repeat because they're so harrowing. But it's kind of, where would you stand? And I think there, I think what was great about doing this play is it started so many conversations. People were mm. talking about it with friends who have slightly different views on different aspects of it. And I think that kind of stuff is great to have in a play where it just kind of encourages conversation and discussion about really quite base things, which is why... Why do we separate ourselves? What is it that makes you think you're better than that person or them think they're better than you? Or what makes you separate yourself from them? What makes you call them that and you that? And I think those conversations are fascinating. And as you say, so timely. And I feel like probably will be forever because we're always, there is, there's always something that people want to divide us as humans, which is a shame because who is it that said there's more that, there's more that um, joins us than divide us, divides us. There's like a famous quote I can't remember, but yeah, it's a very. Fr- I only know it from the X Men movies. Um, yeah, I think that's what I got it from. But as well. I do believe it is a real quote. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, but that uh, that it's just been appropriated by those 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 X Men. Um, but it's so true. It's, it is true, and it feels like a power structure, right? I feel like, um, like if you're divided, you're controllable. Yeah, um, exactly. As, as a, so I feel like there's a there's power structures in a status quo that relies upon us 
and uh, we're going there. We're talking about capitalism. It's happening. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, patriarchy, capitalism, all of them yep. are like, they, they rely on being to- you being told you're not enough, like by yep. yourself. Yep. There's something wrong with you. You could be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so it creates this insatiable need to like improve. And the quickest way to improve, unfortunately, is to push somebody else down, isn't it? Um, and that's it and that's yeah and that is it <laughs> and that Gosh, is just harrowing about this day, i mean it is actually there's fun bits in it as well what i think yeah no, what i think is is kind of joyful and brilliant about this play is that you really quickly i i hope in our performance but even in the reading of it you really quickly root for b and aaron you really quickly yeah. are on their side and you kind of, even when they are potentially doing things that push your own morals, you know, thing to the limit, you completely want to, you want them to work. And I think, yeah. and that is from the, a lot of the joy and the kind of realness of that first half. And also the fact that as the play is structured, as you know, like there's kind of these interludes where we see what is mm. actually happening in the world that is that these characters aren't actually talking necessarily directly about, but you know that that's happening around them. And so that is having an effect on how they talk to each other and how they go about their lives. Yeah. I mean, it's incredibly bold play, isn't it? For a first play, yeah. like so huge in its scope um, and so skillfully executed. I feel like to get both the love story and the high concept wider world nailed in a structure, yeah. I feel like, it feels like that's your fifth or sixth play. Yeah, um, right. But but what what's so extraordinary about Ella is she just seems to have nailed it in that first play and uh, sort of avoided all those problems with first plays where you go, yeah, yeah it was really morally complex, but uh, did I care about the characters? Yeah, totally. Or I really cared about the characters, but like, what's this play about? Like, yeah, totally. it just it it just felt like it nailed it. Did did you and Ella talk at all about her process on the play or like where that play came from for her? I or think what it the process started. For writing yeah, was? she said that it started. I think she was at uni and she saw a TED talk about someone talking about how I think he was trying to find or he was saying that he had a machine or uh, some technology that could locate a certain disease in the blood of his wife who had this who had I don't know if it was cancer I can't remember what it was but she saw this TED talk and it got her mind going and it was from then she started thinking about that and then at the same time I guess all of these things started coming up about your home DIY um, DNA kit DIY DNA kit to find (laughs) out (laughs) to find out where you are and everyone was giving their their blood off and you know and it's like you can either tick um to find out about like now it's developed even since she started the play and even since in in the two times we put the play on at Hampstead um the technology and the difference between what was going on with blood tests and DNA tests within that year had moved on so much and so now you can tick that you just want to find out about your ancestry you don't want to find out about any diseases but then they've still got all that information and what if at one point they want to just anyway so all of this was going on in her head and we had a professional um come in and talk to us as well and I I don't know how she got from that one idea to an amazing play but that's Ella (laughs) yeah 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 
But I think it was a few years in the making. Yes, it feels like the kind of play you have to construct over over a, over a period of time to get all yeah, its definitely. nuance and complexity in there. Um, but that the data thing is fascinating because it was like when they did, um, do you remember there was all that... Um, do your like what will you like older on Facebook um who, uh, what, yeah, what, who's exactly. your face like and basically just harvesting data um exactly. and I feel like that the play again just like the scariest data is surely your blood and like your genes and your code yeah. you know like, yeah. what, what, a, what an invasive thing for a corporation or a government to like hold um and manipulate with um, totally. and the, the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal you know like what what yeah. I think like it's such a scary but then time on the other I... hand as well like you had in this you've got there like there's a the character her friend who well, she finds out that well I mean it dep- she finds out she's got a disease that's um, Huntington's and it's you know 50% I think it's that's right the, forgive me if I get the science wrong but I think it's 50% chance if a parent has it that the child will have it and mm-hmm. she want and she wants to know and this is really early on in the play and actually would you want to know if something's going to happen in a certain amount of years because then mm-hmm. maybe you'd live your life differently um mm-hmm. And so stuff like that, and it's, you know, it's similar. I mean, Angelina Jolie very famously found out that she was had a very high chance of getting breast cancer. And so she found that through a test that you can now do, and so she's eliminated that chance uh, mm. by having a double mastectomy. And it's like some, t- some information is good, but it can then be, if the information's out there, it's, it is like an X-Men film. If that, all that power and information's in gets in the wrong hands, then it can be dangerous. Definitely. And I think that's what's, again, the, you know, the, the play speaks is such a sort of elegant metaphor about all of those things. Um, and it's, I feel like it's talking about capitalism and it's talking about patriarchy and it's talking about power structure without ever talking about them. Yeah, and that totally. is such uh, an elegant feat, I think, particularly for a first play. I mean, I just can't can't wait to see all the other plays Ella's going to write. You know, I know, right? I think she had one due actually to to go on at the Bush, but obviously, I was desperate for to see that as well. I think it was going to be on at the same time as Heart, and yeah, I'm desperate to see what she does next because it's just I love her writing. Yeah, I totally agree. But I mean, what's interesting in today, having talked, you know, about your career, is you know, you've done some of some of the biggest and sort of acknowledged greatest plays of all time, you know. Um, and it, so it's really interesting to, that this was your play crush. So wh- why was it this play as opposed to a Hamlet or, you know, opposed to those other kind of whatever you'd call them, traditional classical texts? Like, yeah. what, was that just a gut feeling or like what was it that this meant that this would be the play that you chose? Yeah, I think it was that gut feeling. I suppose when you like get handed um, Julius Caesar or, or something, and you read it, you kind of come knowing that it's going to be a good play. But mm. I, this was an unknown writer to me, an unknown play, and it was called The Phlebotomist. And I had to Google what <laughs> that was. Title. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and, like, I didn't know. And I was so completely affected by it when I read it the first time that I was like, this is an amazing, an amazing play. And I just think loads of people need to see it and read it and hear it and because I do think it's brilliant and I think you're right it was that that initial just gut feeling of that had to be the play that had to be my crush (laughs) 
They're, I mean, but they're the best players, aren't they? Not the ones that you think about or that you intellectually appreciate, but they're just like cut straight to the hindbrain and, okay. and just grab you. And I, I feel like that's what theatre is about. And that's what I feel like we miss in this lockdown situation. And yeah. why I think theatre will survive, you know, why I think we'll come back is because I don't think you get as strong a reaction from any, any other art form yeah. about when theatre gets it right. Yeah, totally. Okay, great. Brilliant. Well, another little question I've been asking people uh, who've come on the show um, is what are the guilty pleasures also that's been getting you through this time? Mine is Les Mis every time. I mean, I listen to that. I listened to the original 1985 recording with Colin Wilkinson um, as Valjean and and Philip Quast as Javert. And I basically just, I can't get enough of it. But, you know, it's also like what... You know, is there anything shared, like any kind of content, something to read, something to watch, something to listen to, music, um, that maybe people out there just want a bit of joy, want a bit of love? I mean, I, I'm mainlining all of the Vicar of Dibley at the moment. Like that's my <laughs> um, You know, is there any, any stuff out there that you want to recommend people go read, go listen to, go watch, give themselves uh, a, a, bit of a, joy, a bit of joy and a bit of, a bit of love? Yeah, I think I find reading poetry is great because they're kind of little nuggets because um, everyone's time is all so up in the air and roundabout at the moment I think any sort of poetry book is great because and mix it up mix up the poetry re- like read one a day and mix nice. up old and new poets there's so many great poets around at the mo- moment um, buy eggs on toast buy that's eggs the, on that, toast that, that's your recommendation <laughs> I was just about to say actually Yusra Daily Ward she's got a great um, book called Bone and she's got their lovely little nuggets of poetry or also even on her Instagram page she puts up um, and hunt them out and just read a little a little nugget a day love it I love it a poetry nugget um, that's amazing yeah. Jade thank you so much uh, for coming on Play Crush and for being yeah, so open and honest and chatting it's been amazing yeah it has oh such a pleasure such a pleasure hopefully we'll speak soon the fantastic jade anuka there what a treat to hear about jade's journey through the industry so far and her incredibly insightful perspective on the brilliant phlebotomist if you didn't manage to see the play i definitely recommend hunting down the radio version or ordering the script online you won't regret it Thank you again for supporting and tuning in. See you all next time. Go gently and go safely. The Old Vic would like to thank principal partner Royal Bank of Canada and the T.S. Elliott Estate for their support. Sherman Theatre would like to thank the Arts Council Wales and everybody who supported us through this difficult time.